You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can follow along with the notes for this message and get better connected with our church by visiting church2911.com connect. Now, here's Pastor Rick or another member of our team with this week's message. Hey, I want to talk to you guys this morning about um, something called Upside Down Kingdom. Now, this, I know you guys are thinking, this sounds like a Brent sermon. You know, this sounds like something, comic book thing that we should be doing for things. But um, this, is a, this is something that's really been on my heart for probably, you know, the better part of a couple of years now. Um, I've, I've been on this journey, this, uh, this spiritual journey. I know that sounds real spooky right there. But I, I've been on this spiritual journey probably for a couple of years. Um, I've been in church my entire life. Uh, some of you guys, if, you've ever, if you know me or if, if you've been around and heard me speak very much, um, my, uh, my grandfather was a, pa- was a, a, a pastor, um, my other grandfather was a deacon, my parents were in church, my dad was a deacon, my mom sang in the choir, they, I've been in church, I joke I was born in Saturday on church on Sunday, um, and, and it's about the truth, I've been in church my entire life, um, been a part of it, and, and so, um, but a few years ago, I came to the point that I realized that a lot of the things I grew up in church and I learned in church and, and, and things that I did aren't necessarily a hundred percent the right thing to do and now some of you guys are thinking oh goodness he's fixing to get into some heresy here no this is nothing you know it's 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 nothing really weird or off the wall like that it's just that i i I realized that that um especially you know the christianity in america we've kind of taken what jesus intended And, and and it's not just us it was even if you look at the first century church the, the Jewish people had been praying and believing for the Messiah for years and years and years, and they were expecting the Messiah to come and to set up a kingdom on earth. And if you go, you know, you go and you read the scripture, you'll find that, you know, they were upset. And even today, many Jews, they, they don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah because they, he didn't fulfill what they thought he would fulfill. But see, God was like, I, I, have, I have a better idea for a kingdom. It's not just coming and, and kicking out the Romans and setting up a kingdom here. I have an idea for a kingdom that's better than you can ever imagine, something that's far greater. And, and so, but we've kind of taken this over the years, and, and, and we've taken... We've taken this, this idea and, th- and this vision that God had for, for the church and for this kingdom, and, and, and we've tried to, you know, basically incorporate it into our lifestyle and what we do and inject a little bit of Jesus in it. Um, I said first service, I, uh, a few years ago, probably three or four years ago now, um, they, they, they told me that I, I was diabetic, and so I had to give up. Um, I started having to give up a lot of things. I grew up in the South. I'm from the South, and the hardest thing to have to give up was sweet tea. Because I grew up drinking sweet tea. I don't just mean like tea with a little bit of sugar in it. I'm talking like the tea that if you put in the refrigerator overnight, you can use for syrup the next morning. You know, the, the, that kind of tea. You guys know what I'm talking about if you're from the South. And, uh, and giving that up, you know, was, was difficult because I've grown up my whole life. And, and, uh, and I had given up sodas, you know, for, for, for several years. And, um, and so tea was, man, that was my, my staple. Tea and water I drank all the time. And so to give that up, and so you... You get to the point, and, and you get used to it. If you if you need to give that up, um, then you know do it. But there's just something about taking unsweet tea. Now, if, if we have people from up north, then you're used to you think we're weird for drinking sweet tea. But um, but you know you're wrong, and that's okay. But but um, but you know we, it, we, it, we take this unsweet tea, and we you know we put a little bit of sweetener or something in it to try to make it taste you know better and 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 we call it tea and we drink it with that and and it's just not and that's kind of what we do 
with this idea of kingdom that God has. God had this idea, and we take it, and, you know, and we take our idea of kingdom, and basically, you know, based on our society and what we think it should be, and we sprinkle a little bit of Jesus in, and we present it to the world and say, here's the kingdom of God. And people are leaving in droves from the church because what they're looking for and what God had in mind is an upside-down kingdom compared to what we do. And I, I know I, I, I can see the quizzical looks on some of your faces, and so you think I've lost it. And, and the truth of the matter is I never had it. But anyway, uh, put up this up. There's a definition I want to give you this morning, and it's called uh, a word paradox. Everybody heard the word paradox? You know what this is? Uh, paradox is a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. Um, now, people confuse paradox sometimes with oxymoron. Oxymoron is something like jumbo shrimp, um, you know, military intelligence, you know, something like that. This is, I was never in the military. That's a joke from TV, so if you're offended by that, I apologize. Um, uh, although I have some military friends that would tell me that's probably true. But anyway, so, um, but, you know, the, a, a, a paradox is different from that. A paradox is a statement. For instance, uh, have you ever heard the statement, you have to spend money to make money? On the surface, that makes no sense at all. If I'm spending money, I'm not making money. I'm spending money. But, you know, people that are in business and, and their business models, they'll tell you, you have to be willing to invest and do some things in order to make money. And so, you know, it, it's, it's a paradox. It's one of those things that on the surface seems weird, but when you dig into it, you find out that there's actually truth there. And this is what the Bible is full of these paradoxes, things that, that on the surface you look at them and, and they, they just don't make any sense. Um, Jesus is having a conversation with the Pharisee Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes to, comes to him one night and he says, Jesus, you said I'm supposed to be born again. I'm, I'm in my 40s. How am I supposed to be born again? I'm supposed to get back in my mother's womb? That makes no sense to me. And Jesus said, no, I, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying that, you know, you must be born again. You must, uh, you know, just die to yourself and, and become again. And we're going to talk about this in a few minutes. But this is one of these paradoxes that the Bible is just full of. And so there are three in particular that I want to challenge you guys with today, that these, these things that, you know, it's this upside-down kingdom that's so opposite from what we've done. And some of you guys are like me, and you've been in church your whole life, and you've invested, you've invested all these things, and, and, and you come to the point like thousands of people across our country and, 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 and in Europe and in other places where they, they've done this, and church doing the same thing that they've done and not getting, you know, getting the same results they've always gotten, and, and, and they're coming to the place of wondering, is this even true? It's because... God is calling us to an upside-down kingdom. Um, the first thing that I want to do with that is receiving through giving. This is one of those paradoxes, receiving through giving. That doesn't make any sense, right? If I'm, if, if I'm giving, I'm not receiving. I'm giving. If I'm receiving, I'm not giving. I'm, I'm receiving. Does that, you know, it's, it's kind of weird. Well, there's a, let, let me give you this verse, Luke chapter 14, verse 12. Jesus is telling the story, he's telling some parables, and uh, he's at a dinner, and so he takes an opportunity to begin to tell the story, and, and, and he's talking about, he goes on to tell the story of this person who throws this great banquet, and uh, he invites all these people, and, and, and it gets time for the banquet, he invites all the dignitaries, and the mayor, and all these people, and the, you know, the president, or whatever, you know, and all these people, and, and it comes time for the banquet, and he starts, and, and he says, all right, tell people everything's ready, and people start sending back notes, sorry, uh, I have a prior engagement. Sorry, I'm washing my hair. I'm doing something important. And so, um, but, and so Jesus tells this, and Jesus tells this story. It says, then he turned to the host. The next time you put on a dinner, don't just invite your friends and family and rich neighbors, the kind of people who will return the favor. Invite people who never get invited out, the misfits from the wrong side of the tracks. 
you'll be and experience a blessing. They won't be able to return the favor, but the favor will be returned. Oh, how it will be returned at the, God, at the resurrection of God's people. He's telling these guys that, you know, you, we, and, and, and we do this. This is our society. Our society tells us that we're supposed to ingratiate ourselves to people who can help us better our career, to people who can help us better ourselves. Um, you know, we, we, we need to be friends with the, the movers and the shakers and the people who, who have money and the people who do these things. And Jesus is saying, no, you need to, you, you need to love everybody. You need to reach those people who can't do anything back for you. If, um, if, I only, uh, if, if I only invite somebody over to dinner that's a great cook, if I invite Miss Betty to dinner so that she'll invite me back and cook some of her great desserts or something for me, um, then, you know, I, I'm, I'm not doing, I, that's, that's not what God's called me to do. God wants me to invite other people. God wants me to, to, to reach out to, to everybody. And so I, I need you to, to grasp this, this upside-down kingdom philosophy that, that what God is calling us to do is to, to give and to reach out to other people, not just those that can do us favors. Um, growing up in church and, and, and being a part of, uh, of, of this, this denomination that I was, um, I, I was taught it's almost wrong, almost sinful to give money to beggars on the street. Uh, you know, and, and that's, uh, some of you guys that are uh, this morning, there are a few guys, and, and they understand, you know, because, because they're just going to, they're just going to take that money and, anybody ever heard this? They're just going to take money and they're going to buy alcohol. They're going to buy drugs. They're just going to take that money and go do something else. And so, you know, we, it, it almost became this thing that we don't do that. We don't, we don't do that because, you know, we need, they need to, you know, the Bible says that, you know, God helps those who help themselves. First off, the Bible does not say that. The Bible says a lot of things that, you know, and, and there are things that I fully believe and the Bible teaches we're supposed to work and we're supposed to, do, to pull our weight. The Bible also says that, that we're supposed to help others in their time of need so that we're in a time of need, these people will be able to help us as well. We help one another and we become a community. And so growing up with, with this philosophy, it almost became, and then God began to challenge me. And, and, you know, he said, you know, you sing songs. I've been a worship pastor since I was a teenager. And, and I, I've led worship services and I've sang these songs. And God said, you know, you get up and you sing songs like the one that Kelsey did awesomely just a few minutes ago. And it says, who who hold the stars, who knows them each by name. And we sing about this God that we serve that is so big and so mighty and so powerful that he holds the entire universe in his hand. And we talk about the fact that this God is able to do so many things and he's able to, 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 to deliver us and he's able to move mountains. And yet this God is not big enough to help the money that I give to this homeless person go to do something good. Or, or you know, we, and, and, and we take it and we justify it for these things, and we do that. Let me, let me, let me give you another scripture. Um, Acts 20, 35, Paul writes, In everything I've done, I've demonstrated to you how necessary it is to work on behalf of the weak and not, ex and not exploit them. You'll not likely go wrong here if you keep remembering our master, Jesus, said you're far happier giving than getting. You see, he, he, he understands and he tells them, you know, that the idea is not to, 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 to try to take advantage, to not to look at people and say, what can, what can I get out of them? Um, my wife and I were on staff at a church in Fairhope, Alabama years ago. And so um, she invited this lady from church uh, who, had, who had a little boy about the age of our kids. And she said, hey, um, I'm going to the beach, down to Point Clear, I'm going to the beach. You want to, you know, why don't you meet me and we'll go down there. And so they get down there, and Mia said this woman is like acting strange, like all morning. 
And finally, she looks at her and she says, okay, I just got to know, what, what is it that you want? I mean, I said, what are you talking about? And she said, whenever, when, whenever a pastor or church, you know, people, when, when they invite you out, it's because they're looking for something. And, and I don't have any money if that's what you're looking for. I don't have something like that. And, and, and I remember Mia coming home and talking about how that just, that just affected her so deeply because these people were so jaded because they, they, had, been, they, they, they had been exploited by people in the name of God to the fact that, that when, when a Christian simply said, hey, let's go to the beach together and hang out, they were expecting something. They were expecting something to be asked of them. And, and you see, that's where, that's where this upside-down kingdom mentality comes in, where, where Jesus has called us that, that we give to others because God gives back to us. We give to others not so, that, not so that we'll get something back, not so that person will do us a favor. We do these things as unto God, and we give it as a gift to God. And God is the blesser. God is the one who blesses us and takes care of us. And there are times throughout, throughout our lives where we're, we're looking at this sort of thing. I, I would like to tell you that I've never missed an opportunity to give, uh, and, and I'd be flat-out lying to you. Um, there are times that, that, that you know, God, is, God has said, you know, I want you to give money to this missionary, and I've said, God, I don't have any money to give. God, I'm, I'm, I'm broke. I, I, I don't have that, and I didn't do it. And it, eat, it, it would eat at me, and, and it gnawed at me because I, I didn't obey God. Or, you know, and, I, and, and me and I will get home, and she'll say, I felt like we were supposed to give, and she will name the amount of money that God had put on my heart. And she, was, and she looked at, she said, I looked, and you didn't, and, and, and as, you know, as the spiritual leader, I didn't step up and say, we need to do it. You know what, we need to do it. And, and, and God is confirming that you missed it, buddy. And there have been other times that, that, that I've done it, and I finally, you know, I, I'm like, I take to heart these things that I sing where I say, God, you're big enough to, you know, you hold the stars. You're, you, you, you never let me down. And then it comes to my finances, and, I, I, and I'm like, I, I, you might, this might be the first time, God. I, I don't want to do that. But you see, it's that, it's that giving. It's that receiving through giving that, that I understand that when I give to others and when I give to things that God can, I open the door and, and give God the opportunity at that point. I've given a seed, something that God can take and do that. This is not about tithing this morning. This is not about anything else. This is simply about understanding the upside-down kingdom philosophy that when we give to others, it could be time, it can be food, it can be money, it can be a shoulder to cry on. It could be a sympathetic ear. It could be anything that God places you an opportunity, but that turn that we give and we receive from God in giving. And that's the upside-down kingdom philosophy that God is looking for. The next thing that I want to share is, is gaining through losing. Now, some of you guys, there, we, we have a lot of Alabama fans in here, so you, under, you don't understand the concept of losing anyway, so I'm not talking to you. Um, but us Auburn fans know a lot about that, okay? So we, we understand the concept of losing. And so, um, but, uh, you know, it's gaining through losing, understanding, understanding that, that sometimes we have to lose something to gain something. Now, this, this doesn't make sense. This is one of those paradoxes that when you talk about losing to gain, it doesn't make sense. If you lose, you lose. If you gain, you gain. That, that, you, the two can't be one. Let me give you a scripture. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. This is Paul talking. He says, the very credentials these people are waving around us is something special. I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash. Now, here's the deal. Paul is talking to these people, and, and he gives his credentials. 
Paul says that he was, he was a Pharisee. He had studied the law. Uh, he had studied at the feet of Gamaliel. Now, what that means is Gamaliel was a scholar of the time. And so basically, this was about the equivalent of a master's or a Ph.D. Uh, instead of going to college, he would study under, at the feet of a scholar, and he would study and intern under this man for several years, and then he would, he would pass his knowledge on. And that's the way that they learned in the Greek system. And so Paul is giving us credentials. He's very credentials. These people are waving around us as something special. I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash, along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. All things I once thought were important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Dog dung. I gotta love the message Bible. What does Bible uses? Dog dung. Dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ. Now, now here's I told you I've been on this spiritual journey for a few years. Um, I've been in ministry, I've been in church my whole life, and I've been in ministry since I was a teenager. Um, I, my, my first, I, I, was, I was on staff at a church at 19 years old, and so, and, and, and I've been through that, and as I went to school, and went through things, and it came to the point that my identity became tied to my title. My identity in Christ became tied to whatever my title was, Pastor Jeff, worship pastor, youth pastor, associate pastor, whatever it is, it, it became tied to that, and so... Um, my, my, my wife and I left our dream job in Gainesville, Florida 14 years ago now. It seems like, you know, a couple, but it's been a long time. And we moved back to Birmingham to take care of parents, and we, and we were on church staffs here for years. And about six or seven years ago, God really began to lay on our heart that I decided I didn't, I, I didn't want to continue being just simply being a part of a church that was paying my salary, that, that I agreed in principle with their statement of faith that I wanted to be a part of something that I wholeheartedly believed in who they were, that I could embrace the principles such as, it's not about me, it's about the community. It's not about me, it's about helping someone else. And so we came to church 2911. I, I'm, I, I'm not a staff member. Uh, I, I'm, I, I serve on the board and, and I help lead worship and I do whatever I can. But, but I, I came because this was, I, I agreed, we, we visited and we checked, and, and the philosophy and what they had were so much in line that that's why we were here. And so I, I came to the place that all of those other things had to, I, I, God challenged me to lay those other things down. So the fact that I was, I, I was ordained and had served and gone through it and gone to class, you know, that, that had to take back seat because God said, I want you to be defined by your relationship with me and not by your relationship with a credentialing organization. I want you to be defined, I want your ministry to be defined by what I call you to do and not simply what a church pays you to do. And so this is what Paul is saying. For me, it became about gaining opportunities and gaining the ability to, to, to reach people and to minister by losing the things that I held most dear and understanding that those things were dog dung if I wasn't doing what God had called me to do. And it's this upside-down kingdom mentality that challenges us to do things like that, that challenges us to step outside of our comfort zone and begin to do things. Larry, uh, Larry Lamb, first service, he came to me afterwards, and um, Larry's been in ministry longer than I have, and he's been doing these things. And, and, and recently, uh, a year or two ago, he, he's, he stepped down from his church, and, and, and he said, you know, people ask me all the time, do you miss ministry? Do you miss being a part of it? 
And he said, I told him, I'm still in ministry. I'm just not associated with, I'm doing ministry. I, I, I'm not associated with a particular church to do it, but I'm serving and I'm doing things. And you see, that's the point. The upside-down mentality is not, ministers are not those who get paid to stand up here and do something. Ministers are those who take the Word of God and they go to their jobs and they go to their schools and they go to their homes and they begin to live it and they begin to act upon it and they begin to, 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 to reach out and act out what God has laid on their heart and what God has told them in Scripture. And the gospel becomes irresistible because they see something in you that is different than anything else they've heard from the pulpit. And that is the upside-down kingdom mentality. That we come to the point that it's not simply about, it's not simply about learning something. It's not simply about, uh, about having a piece of paper. It's about having having fire of God inside of us. And I know that's one of those, I grew up Pentecostal. You'll have to excuse me for using my Pentecostalisms because it's what I know. But having that fire, that burning inside that says, God has called me to do something, and I can't be happy unless I do it. Whether that means talking about it, whether that means living it, whether that means showing up and cooking a couple of thousand hot dogs to give away to kids, whether it means coming out here, it's, it's Alabama, it's going to be hot Halloween. It's just simple the way it works. And so coming up here and being out there and giving away candy and, and, and dealing with this stuff, it's what it is. That's what God is, it's the upside-down kingdom mentality. There's a, uh, there's a phrase that's kind, of become, that's kind of become something important in my life. Uh, I heard it a few years ago. In order to get what you truly love, you have to give up things that you really like. You know, if this, um, in order to, if you want to eat out every meal and you want to do things, you're going to have to make adjustments in your budget to do that. If you want to eat lunch every day, um, you know, used to, I could eat lunch for five bucks a day because you'd have lunch menus. You can't, you know, you can't go to McDonald's for five dollars for lunch anymore. I can't anyway, but some of you skinny people can. But anyway, and, and so, you know, you have to make adjustments in your budget to do that because in order to have what I truly love, if I truly love to do that, then I have to give up things I really like. Uh, if, um, if I want to go to football games every weekend, it's expensive to go to college football games. If I want to do that every weekend, I'm going to have to give up things I really like to pay for tickets for things that I love. And so there comes a point, and, and, and this is what this upside-down kingdom mentality, that when we come to the point that we say, you know what, God, I love you, and I love what you've done in my life, and I love what, what it stands for that's not about me, then I can give up things that I really, really like to have what I really, really love. Another verse I want to share with you, Matthew 10, 39 Jesus is talking. He says, if your first concern is to look after yourself, you'll never find yourself. But if you forget about yourself and look to me, you'll find both yourself and me. You see, it, it, it's, it's reaching that point that we say, you know, I, I, I've searched for myself. Have you ever heard people say that I'm, I'm just really trying to find myself right now? And, and, and they're seeking their self and, and, and they're doing all these things. They, they're leaving families. They're leaving, they're leaving jobs. They're leaving all these other things to try to find themselves. And the fact of the matter is, you're not going to find yourself. But when you seek after God, then God says, you're not only going to find yourself, you're going to find me. And that's even better than finding yourself. Another verse says that, you know, if you seek me with all your heart, then I'll, I will get all these other things that you want, I'll add to you. If you seek first me in the kingdom, I could give you everything else. This upside-down kingdom that doesn't make sense to the world. You see, there, there's, there's a reason 
There's a reason that we come to that place that God challenges us to leave everything else behind, to lose this stuff, because he understands that these things don't make sense to the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God doesn't make sense to the world. And there's a reason why if you turn on any news channel, they're going to challenge things that we hold dear because it doesn't make sense to their philosophy. And if you first start off with the fact that there is no God, then all of these other things don't make sense. If you start off with a philosophy that there is a God, but he's not really concerned with our day-to-day -day life, then all the other things don't make sense that we believe and that we stand for. But when we begin to lose ourselves and begin to seek after God, then all these other things kind of fall away, and we begin to find God. And we begin to see the upside-down kingdom mentality, the things that we think, the things that we think are important, Paul said they're, they're not important at all. Those, those things that I fight so hard to have and to hold on to are the things that are going to fade away, that God said one day you're going to stand at the judgment and I'm going to take all your works and I'm going to throw them in the fire. And the things that are pure and the things that were done for the kingdom of God are going to be gold and jewels and, and, and silver that last through the fire. And everything else is going up like wood and hay. You ever thrown hay in a fire? You ever thrown dry wood in a fire? It, it goes up just like this. And it's the upside-down kingdom mentality. As I start to close, I, I'm going to go to the, 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 last, the last point I wanted to make. It's living through dying, and it's, it's really a continuation of finding through losing, gaining through losing. It's living through dying. John 12, 24, and 25. Jesus said, listen carefully. Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it's never any more than a grain of wheat. But if it's buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over. In the same way, anyone who holds on to life just as it is destroys that life. But if you let it go, reckless, there's that word we've been talking about for weeks, reckless in your love, you'll have it forever, real and eternal. You see, God understands that, that when we try really hard to hold on to our life, when we try really hard to hold on to things that we have, the things that we think are, are really important, that we end up losing it. But when we, when we say, you know what, God? My life is yours to give. And God says, now I can show you what life is really all about. Viktor Frankl was a, uh, was a scientist, and he, uh, he did a lot of work uh, in Nazi Germany. He was, a, uh, he was a Jew, his family were Jew, and they were taken to concentration camps. And he was separated from his family. His parents were taken to a concentration camp. They were killed on a concentration camp. He and his wife were separated in two different, they were sent to two different concentration camps. She was killed in a concentration camp. Viktor Frankl lost everything that he had. And yet in the concentration camp, they allowed him to begin to work because of his, uh, because of his counseling and because of, uh, of his psychology degree. They allowed him to begin to work with inmates, with, 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 with other prisoners. And... Um, in his, in his area, in most areas of concentration camps, the suicide rate was really high. Those who weren't killed in ovens, a lot of them, there was no use. They lost all hope. They were ripped away from their family. They were beaten. They were abused. They were experimented on. And they had no hope. Viktor Frankl convinced these guys that he worked with that, that true purpose and meaning is not found in what we accomplish or what we do, but in what we can do for others. 
true, true meaning and accomplishment comes from things that, that, that we can do to bless other people. And the suicide rate in the people that he worked with was next to zero. There were very few people because they began to take on a mentality. And in one of his books, one of his books, Victor Frankl writes about being in the concentration camp and they're, they're awakened early in the morning, they're taken out and they're made to walk and they're having to carry these things. And the guards are hitting them in the ribs with the butts of their gun and they're doing these things. And he looks, he looks at one of the guys that's with him that he's been talking with and the guy said, I wonder what our wives would think if they could see us right now. He said, they're probably, they're probably in another part of a concentration camp, but they're not, I'm sure they're not having to go through this, trying to help encourage one another. And they began to reach and think about other people, and he said, everyone in that line began to think of someone else, and they began to think of their loved ones and other people, and they were able to make the walk, and they were able to continue, where many people would fall and be beaten, and they were looking for an excuse to kill them. These guys pressed on because they began to focus their mind on things other than themselves. And you see, in this upside-down kingdom, God understands that when we come to the place to understand that my life is important, if, if I live my life and I raise my kids, I can have a successful life. If I raise my kids so that they're, they, can be, uh, they can be on their own when they grow up, that they can, they can be successful members of society, I'm successful. But if I take my life, and not only do I pour into my kids, but I pour into other people. I find, as a musician, I find young musicians who have the same vision, and I share them. Instead of being jealous about the fact that, besides Carol, I'm like quite often the oldest guy by far on the stage on Sundays when I play. But instead of being jealous of young people coming up, ready to take my spot, I say, you know what, let me show you how to get better than me. And, and, and if I take and I pour myself into these kind of people and I help them become people who raise their kids and pour into them, and I help my grandkids, and I teach them and instill in them so that they can pour into their kids and that they can find other people and pour into them, then I'm no longer just a kernel of wheat, but I'm a stalk that reproduces myself thousands and thousands and thousands of times. Rick, Pastor Rick challenged some of us leaders a year or so ago about being exponential in our growth. Not just, not just finding a person and reproducing myself, not just, not just finding one person and teaching them, but finding five or six people and pouring myself into these five or six, so that these five or six find five or six people, and they can pour themselves into it. And then all of those people can find someone, five or six, and pour themselves. And that is how the world has changed through the upside-down kingdom. You see, Jesus, Jesus, never intended, Jesus never intended it for it to be a simple thing where, hey, here's the deal. We have one crusade, we invite everybody in the world, and we get them all saved, and we go to heaven. He found 12 people, and he poured into them. And of those 12, he had three that he spent most of his time, and he poured most of himself. And those 12 people, when he left, 
they took and they began to take on the work. And those 12 multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. And you can say what you want to about whether or not what we read in the Bible is true. But we are teaching and preaching the gospel of something that happened over 2,000 years ago that a handful of people knew firsthand. It's the upside-down kingdom philosophy that says that it's not, it's not about me. It's not just about me and what I want. It's about fulfill, finding fulfillment in doing for others. You've been listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a prayer need, our prayer team and staff would love to pray with you. You can send us your prayer request by using the email address prayer at church2911.com. If you would like to know more about our church, including information about our weekly services, please check out church2911.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you. And as always, we dare you to dream.